This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. As always, I am your host, Cameron Pishi, and this episode is driven by Valley Trucking Insurance. It's a company I own, but I want to bring you the best and the latest and the greatest and folks that are making an impact in the trucking industry. I'm super excited to have our guest on today. I'll introduce him here in a sec. And I actually saw the guest that's about to speak on a different show with my friend Chris Jolly or Freight Coach. You guys have heard him. He's been on the show. And if you don't follow him, go check him out. And he was talking about an interesting topic that caught my attention. And so today I want to bring on special guest Drew Wilder. He is the owner of Vicarious Liability Risk Management. And specifically, one of the topics that stood out on that, because I didn't know what that really meant. You may or may not know what that really means. But one of them was COI compliance services and reviewing of certificates of insurance as it translates to your company, protecting you on the freight brokerage side, but also on the carrier side and the asset side, what those certificates mean. I know everybody knows they need them. They got to send them and they get a load and this and that. And today I'm going to bring Drew in and we're going to break down some of that stuff and talk about what he does and the services he offers because it's a really cool um, product in this space to really help the transportation industry. I think it's much needed too. There's a lot of misconceptions around this. There's a lot of bad information and really lack of education and potentially even resources because unless you're an attorney or something, a lot of these things are so terrible to try to read and decipher. So uh, without further ado, Drew, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing so good. And finally, I got a guest coming from uh, my region too, up in the Pacific Northwest. So that's good. That's right. That's right. Thanks for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. Hell yeah, man. How's the uh, weather over in Seattle? Well, you know how Seattle is, man. You know, it's that, it's that time of year, right? I, I think that we, it feels like we're going to have one of those early winters, you know, because oh, yeah. this summer, this past summer wasn't that hot. And I, I just think the rain's probably going to, the rain and cold's probably going to come sooner this year than, than in the past. But I, but I like it, though. It, it, it's okay. Yeah. And, you know, I welcome the rain this time of year just because of the recent wildfires that come through in August. Right. So the smoke and the air quality and then the devastation it causes, obviously, to homes and threatening some towns and stuff. So I feel like the rain's a good thing in this instance, yeah. other than, you know, I'm not looking forward to snow and the, going through the mountain passes and that kind of stuff as the weather turns. That's not what I look forward to. So, well, you guys get that over your part of, uh, <laughs> of what West, what Eastern Washington? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, man. Yeah. Over in Spokane. So, hey, let's uh, let's introduce you a little bit. Give the folks maybe a thirty thousand foot view and overview of vicarious liability risk management and a little bit of the things that you do there and what that means, maybe in some layman terms for for those folks. And then I'd love to dive into your background 
Um, cause no doubt, I know that you have an interesting background and, and that's led you to this point. So let's, let's talk about some of that. Well, uh, at, uh, vicarious liability risk management, what, what we do for our clients is we provide certificate of insurance compliance. Uh, in doing so, we get our clients, uh, of course, named as certificate holder on the certificate of insurance, additional insured, you know, notice of cancellation, loss paid, th- you know, things of that nature. But more importantly, the process that we follow, we, we're engaging with the insurance agent or insurance broker, there, there, and there is a difference between the two. And so we're, we're bringing the relationship to the forefront so that, you know, it, it, it's all about transparency, for instance, right? You'll know, say, for instance, if um, uh, a, a freight broker customer hours, they, they're, they're moving a shipment. It's a flatbed shipment. It requires, say, for instance, tarp coverage. We're communicating that to the insurance agent, insurance broker. And we, we want to know, does the policy include that coverage? And so, so you know, we ask some very specific questions that only require yes and no answers. And it, it just brings about a level of transparency so that in the event of a loss, and, and we've talked about this before, all losses are going to be paid based on the merit. They have to be investigated, et cetera, et cetera. And they're going to be paid or denied based on the merit. So our process in no way does it say, well, if a claim's you know, filed, there's, it's automatically going to be paid. It just it simply doesn't work that way. Um, you know, what our process does do is that it, 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 it puts the freight broker, our customer, in a position where they can say in the event of a loss that they've, you know, followed the proper due diligence above and beyond what would be considered industry standards. Um, and most importantly, the last thing I'll say about it real quickly is that, you know, insurance companies that insure freight brokers, they, they expect them to do a proper, you know, a certain level of due diligence to, you know, uh, uh, protect them and the insurance company. So we, we help along with that. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of, misconceptions around that and on the surface and and folks out there, I know you guys have seen and dealt with certificates of insurance. I mean, whether you're a carrier asset, uh, it doesn't matter where you're at. You have to deal with it at some point. And to them, it's just a little piece of paper. There's a couple of check boxes and then there's some numbers and like, Hey, and as you said, I'm a certificate holder. Right. Right. And I think that these folks think that that all, if all these things are on there, it all means the same thing. It means that it's covered. And it means that it's going to take care of whatever they're trying to move, you know, if you're a freight broker and that kind of stuff. But the the harsh reality is, is it's not, you know, that 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 little piece of paper is just literally a, a sample representation of what is in the actual contract, a.k.a. the insurance policy, because that's what it is, is a transfer right. of risk and a contract to cover certain things. And so that's where, you know when I saw your topic, when you were chat, chatting with freight coach, it was like, gosh, that's so interesting. And I, and I never really even thought about it because I spend so much time trying to educate, right. And clients and take our time to understand the different coverages and the unique um, risk that each of these carriers face, whether you're at, you know, that kind of thing. So we can really hone in and get them the correct things. But in this day and age and technology and people with the ability to buy their own insurance and like use whoever they want, I have no doubt you probably see some stuff that it's like, yeah, that's not covered. Or, you know, that, right. It, how, how did this concept come to be? Let's talk about your background, because obviously you did something 
that was involved in compliance or regular, I don't know, let, let, let's, what's your background leading up to well, this? Well, well, I started out in, in, in the trucking industry with uh, Viking Freight Systems, which is now okay. FedEx Freight. Yep. And I was there for uh, seven years and during my tenure, believe it or not, we had a terminal over in Spokane, Yakima, Pasco, called Tri-Cities. Yep. Uh, but, but at any rate, uh, there for seven years, I was in compliance uh, there, primarily cargo claims, you know, OS&D, et cetera. But I also um, worked dock operations inbound and outbound before getting into compliance. After leaving uh, Viking, I went to work for a smaller motor carrier, but they also operated as a freight broker, freight forwarder, local dredge, et cetera. So we had a lot of uh, liabilities under one umbrella. And one of the important things about that is, is that, as, as you know, that if you say to the customer that you're going to move their freight as a motor carrier, you better be moving it as a motor carrier, not as a broker, freight forward, et cetera. So one of my responsibilities was to make sure that everybody stayed in their lane in respect to the services we were providing. The other aspect of it, because we were operating as a uh, freight forwarder at a freight broker, and we had all these various relationships I found myself spending a large part of my week reviewing contracts with, you know, motor carriers that we were going to hire, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where I started learning about certificates of insurance. Okay. One of the things I learned is that, as you stated, a lot of misinformation was going on, a lot. And so I was fortunate enough to have a, I met a, uh, my mentor, uh, which is my mentor today, uh, freight transportation attorney, and I also met a uh, former ICC practitioner. Uh, and those guys uh, over the years taught me a lot, but I, I was a self-study. So I read a lot of court cases, et cetera, and started learning about what it took to actually execute the process. Uh, I'll say, and, and I'll put it this way. Many people will tell you that a certificate of insurance is an illegal document. It's for informational purposes only. That is true. However, there are state statutes like the one in the state of Washington that clearly states that if an insurance agent or insurance broker issues a COI and misrepresents coverage, et cetera, et cetera, they're liable for that. And it doesn't mm -hmm. matter whether the uh, insurance agent or insurance broker is domiciled in the state of Washington or not. If the client is, the statute applies. And there's court cases that also uh, support that finding in, in different uh, circuits across the country. So in other words, it, it, it's not an exact science, if that makes sense. But again, a certificate of insurance, if you request it properly and you do via email and it, it's a transparent process, it can be a very, very valuable tool for you, but you got to know what you're looking at. And you have to also pay attention to what's in the emails. Yeah. And the boring in the weed stuff there is it all boils down to the contract, right? Yes. So like yes. me as an insurance agency owner, owning the trucking brokerage, um, we're fine sending out certs. There's certain things right. we will and will not include with them or put in or put on them. A right. lot of times we don't alter it. We'll include, um, you know, if it's standard additional insured and that kind of stuff, but it all boils back down to the contract. If that contract doesn't ask and state clearly, and it's accepted by both parties that they need it, and we're getting requests for that, it's, we're not sending it to them. 
you know, there's no need. There's no reason for me to send that. Now, if I get the copy of the contract, we review it, we go through it, and it's it clearly outlines and states what's required and what's requested. Now we can start to include endorsements and start to include certain things on that. And so I think that that you know that's where I saw it, it perked my interest there for your need coming into this space um, because people don't they just don't understand. They, they really don't. They don't know what a, just a proof of insurance certificate is. Hey, I just need to verify insurance versus listing somebody as additionally insured or even including more verbiage and wording there, which we don't need to go into because it, 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 for the sake of conversation, it, it probably bore listeners to death. But um, it's so valuable, though, because the contract going back to the very beginning, the insurance is literally just a contract. That's all it is. Right. So. What's the steps you take? I'd be curious on this, you know, when you're working with these freight brokerages and to do their due diligence, because that's what resoundingly came through. And in, in what you're talking about there is you're doing the due diligence on the carriers and the partners you're working with to ensure and you're getting accurate information that these coverages are, in fact, in place. Well, I would start with one of the things you just touched on, the contract itself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when we start with a freight broker or shipper as a new client, the first thing that we do, like step one, is to find out whether or not they actually have contracts in place with the motor carriers that they're giving freight to. Uh, if the answer is yes, we want to know where that contract came from. Did a qualified freight transportation attorney draft that contract? Because if they didn't, you're probably you're probably going to have some issues. You mean so, that GPT won't won't suffice there or what? Exactly. <laughs> so so you know we 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 establish whether they have agreements in place, where those agreements came from, right? And if it if it turns out that they're using a, a, an agreement that they're having motor carrier signed versus signing the motor carrier's agreement, that's a plus. Because at that point, if a freight transportation attorney did it, we're going to ask permission to reach out to him or her to let us know, to let them know what we're doing. Because we want to make sure that the process that we're following is in line with the contract. And sometimes there may be things in the contract, as you stated, that are simply not going to be covered in, in the insurance policy. So we establish those things um, step one. And so we're, 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 we're trying, we're attempting to get the client to establish a, a risk management, you know, profile, you know, so or an appetite. So uh, because the reality of it is you're not always going to get everything that you want. And so to know if general liability isn't offered, this is the risk involved in not in dealing with that motor carrier. If contractual liability isn't offered, these are the risks. If hired auto liability is an offer, these are the risks. So we, we establish those things first. Uh, from there, we develop a template that specific to our clients' requirements. And all that communication is done via email with the insurance agent, insurance broker. We're paying attention to the emails. We're, we're paying attention to what's on the cert. As I mentioned to you, we don't get into reading endorsements and so forth because we're not insurance agents or brokers. And even if we were, it's just not doable. Like, you know, you're reading, a, you're reading a policy 
well, the endorsements, there's coverage on page one. They take it back on page five. <laughs> and, and and you got to really understand it. Uh, you know, we did it once for a client of, of ours many years ago. The entire process, for one, took 36 hours of back and forth. And what we found out was we told them from the very beginning, based on what we had done, that the coverage wasn't there. We went through the process and it proved that the coverage wasn't there. Uh, their attorney told him the same thing because he re- reviewed the documents. And so when we got back to the agent and we says, hey, can you really provide us the real policy endorsements and so forth for the policy? Because this is not it. He told us he could not he could not be allowed in the public sphere. So we spent 36 hours doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think that leads and brings up like a huge point. And it's something that I've preached and, and, and something that I see in other people that are very successful and true and not just um, a flash in a pan type product service person, whatever it might be, is talking to people that truly understand the industry speak the language, know what they're up against um, on a day-to-day basis and understand how that person operates and that person being the client, whether they're a freight brokerage carrier, manufacturing company, it doesn't really matter, freight forwarder. In my my world, we deal pretty much everything around trucking and transportation um, for the sake of insurance. You had put out an article about too many subject matter experts coming as and probably a result of COVID. And I've seen it as well. Um, But I think that leads us right into that is because these people, unfortunately, are talking to, I don't know, whoever they get referred to, whoever they see on TikTok, whoever they Google, whatever the case may, may be. And that person might not truly understand what they do, right? And what their risk is, what their exposure is, how to set them up. Like you said, hey, they maybe they have a contract, but where'd they get the contract? Right. That's a big deal, right? Google, right. you know, people can Google things because they want to save a few thousand bucks. And so they find some boilerplate contract that they think might work. But in reality, it's like, well, that contract's based out of, you know, Minnesota, in their court system, not Washington, where, you know what I mean? That's just a small example. But what led you to write that article? All of the things you just said, and you're right, COVID led to this. However, in subject matter experts in this industry, just like in other industries, have proven to be a valuable tool, you know, for, for decades. However, as this COVID thing hit, I, I, I think, and just the expansion of social media, right, where now you can get in front of people that you couldn't before. Uh I just noticed after COVID this huge influx of subject matter experts that didn't have the background. And I kind of blame it a little bit on the end user, because if I'm going to listen to you, I'm first of all, I'm going to look into your background and, and see what kind of experience you have. And if you have no experience in the area of the subject matter, I'm not going to waste time listening to you. But what I found is, is that a lot of freight brokers, not all, but quite a few are willing to listen to these people and they they don't have the background. It's clearly some of the things they say make no sense, but it's just out there. The other issue that I, I have with too many subject matter experts is the ones that do have the experience, but they put out bad information because they're not able to answer your question. 
for example, I, I had someone reach out to me a few weeks ago and they wanted me to answer a question for them because of my background. Okay. I didn't have the answer and I told them I didn't. I said, I can refer you to someone that may, or I'll try to get the answer for you. But I didn't say to them because I don't provide this service, I'm going to water it down and make it seem like it's really not important. Well, it's not worth the effort of digging into. Well, it's not worth the effort of digging into because you don't provide the service. Just tell people that. And the thing about it is that what really got me about it is that the, the, the listener, they're really relying on you. They trust you. And especially some of these folks that have years and years of experience. Okay. And so you're putting information out there that you know isn't correct or you should know isn't correct simply because you want to better your brand. I don't think that's right. No. And it's stay in your lane, right? And stay in your lane. That. Stay, in, stay your in your lane. Yeah. And we preach that all the time. And I mean, uh, you know, I might not know the answer to everything, but I'm, I'm not. I'm prideful, but it's like I'll own when I don't know it and I might not know, but I do know somebody that might know, like you just said, and I'm going to refer you to them. I'm going to connect you or I'm going to figure out, take the time to at least give you a direction and say, hey, we don't know, but talk to my guy, Drew. You know, you want to talk about COI compliance. I mean, I know a little bit about that side of the house, but you know a lot more about the regulatory, the contract review and some of those things that you no doubt have spent time doing with your mentors and your past experience that... I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to say, call my boy, Drew. You know, he, he's, he, he has a better idea of this. And if he doesn't know, I trust that he's going to help you find somebody that does know. Well, that's how we operate, right? I, I would like to say one last thing about it. Say, for example, if someone called me up and wanted to talk to me about safety. Okay. There you go. I was that's a safety a director. I was a safety director for 11 years. I yep. did a great job at it, but that was 20 years ago. And, we don't offer that service. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say to you or the person calling me, "Oh, the problem you have isn't that big of a deal," because I don't provide the service anymore. That's what people are doing. That's what I don't like. Hmm. If you don't provide the service. Just say you don't provide the service, but don't try to water it down. Don't try to give information that you know isn't really helpful, right? Or or, or try because because of. Um, artificial intelligence, AI, and streamlining and so forth, people are looking for this easy fix. How can I get something done faster? Well, guess what? Sometimes faster isn't better. Nope. And so uh, I just see a lot of that going on, and I, and I just think it's wrong. I just wouldn't do it. No, and I think you care too much about the industry, right? You care right. too much about the end user because it does truly hurt them too, or, get, or like you said, it's just misinformation that – may not be relevant or old, or if it is old, has that person done the due diligence to keep up on subject yes. matter, continuing education, you know, whatever the circumstances there. So what are, um, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced when you started this journey? Cause I, I have to imagine when people create a business plan, this is not on their business plan to say, Hey, I need to go find Drew and, you know, right you know, vicarious liability risk management and put them into my uh, arsenal. Right. So, right. so, so let's talk about that. Like, I mean, I know that if you were to call up a client mm -hmm. and they, they don't have any pain points, they're not even aware that they have a problem. Cause that's, that's right. part of the issue is people aren't educated or don't know what they don't know. And that's right. to, through no fault of their own, which is why we try to do this podcast. 
let's talk about those problems. Like, what have you faced? Well, you know, starting out in 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 the business, to be honest with you, I couldn't give it away. You know, I, could, I couldn't even get anybody to take it for free. You know, yeah. and and the reason being is is that again, a lot of misinformation uh, was going on at, at that time, and this was before states had put together regulations governing certificates of insurance, and so. Again, there was just a lot of misinformation out there. I know when I was risk manager for the motor carrier, our insurance agent, when 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 we renewed uh, our policy every year, every year, he would bring us like he would just say, "How many certificate holders do you guys have? How many shippers you have that want to be certificate holders?" Right? And he would bring this big binder with certificates in it and hand it to us. He knew they weren't any good, but that's the kind of stuff that was going on. And so because of that, people just weren't receptive to what I was offering. They just weren't. Uh, The other thing is, is that, at least from my experience, this is not a service that you're going to get a lot of customers cold calling. There's got to be some relationships in place. You got to meet people, talk to them, shake their hand, uh, make them feel good about you as a person. And, and and then you can get into uh, what you do. But talking about what you do up front, it, it, it simply doesn't work because they're going to say, oh, we do that every single day. We, we follow it, too. But they, they really don't. So it was me understanding that I, I, I got to get out and, and meet people, you know, go to conferences, you know, do all of the legwork, et cetera. Now. With the expansion of social media and, and LinkedIn and stuff like that, that's helped the process. Uh, but you, but you still got to you still got to know people. Yeah, no, I love it, and that's you know that's why I was happy to have you on, and hopefully it gained some influence and opened some people's eyes to a product. So when I see somebody doing something or filling a void and serving a purpose that truly benefits the trucking industry um, and all shapes and sizes. It's like, yeah, I want to talk to them and I want to get them out and promote it, man. So I think it's sweet. I think it's a such a cool product. If people want to learn more about it, I know that you're active on LinkedIn and that kind of stuff, but tell people where they can find out, follow you, inquire, chat, all that good stuff. Well, our website is uh, vlrmgt.com and you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Drew Singleton Wilder. Uh, those are the you know two places that uh, you can find me. Uh, I would say that if you really want to learn more about what we do, just follow me on LinkedIn. I'm constantly uh, you know uh, putting out posts, um, informational type stuff as well. It's not all about doing business with us. <laughs> I, I, you know, of course, I want to make money, but I want to educate you know the 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 uh, industry as well, and so. Uh, you know, if you if if you learn something from me as an end user, great. You'll tell people about it. But it's not all about, you know, can you give me some money? Yeah, I think relationships huge, man. That's a uh, that's the key piece right there. Is because yes. you know if you don't trust, you don't have you don't value that person, and you don't have a need for it. I, you know, I, there's really no value exchange there. And so I think identifying those needs, talking to those people get into the people that truly do desire and want help in the certain areas or what it's about, man. And I, I can appreciate that. What do you um, see 
coming in, in the next, like, what are some things you're excited about where you're heading over this next, you know, quarter, two quarters, a year, something like that. But what do you, what do you have rolling out or what do you have coming ahead? Well, we, we have a big announcement coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about, okay. uh, you know, we Stay aligned ourselves with, <laughs> with, uh, you know, with freight validate. Um, and it's a, it's a huge collaboration and we're going to be, uh, fighting, you know, fighting, uh, you know, double brokering fraud as Sweet. a lot of entities are doing, but, you know, we, we put together a, a good team and I think that the knowledge base between all of us, I'm, I'm excited about the things that we're going to be able to do moving forward. Why do you think uh double brokering is so prevalent? I mean, it's always been a thing, right? You, you, there's always yeah. forms and fashions of it. And then it seems to be, there's legal ways to double broker and then illegal ways to double broker. Like if you want to call it what it is, but, right. but recently that seems to be the trend in the news right. and the, the, the whole, you know, I get calls about this all the time, you know, double brokering. It's a, it's right. a thing, but <laughs> talk about that, man. What's up? Well, you know, when, when I first um, start really paying attention to this double brokering thing, which was after COVID, my initial thought was because I didn't know how bad it had gotten so my initial thought was, you know, double brokerage has been going on for 40 years. What's what's the big deal? We used to call it blind shipments. Right. Um, but then I dug into it some more and, and started seeing what what was really going on. And a lot of it, it spiked after COVID, from what I understand, because during the pandemic, a lot of people didn't want to work. So motor carriers and shippers, I guess, found themselves using um Third parties from other countries, Philippines, Costa Rica, et cetera, uh, Ukraine, you know, from what I understand. And so when post-COVID, uh, the money that these contractors were making, they weren't making it anymore. That That's what I'm hearing. And so, you know, they came up with this scheme to make money. And so that's how it really expanded. Uh, I think that uh, just the in expansion of, of of the internet and so forth has, has helped them do it as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to, and not one to paint it with a broad brush, but I think 90% of it or more comes down to freight brokers not doing proper due diligence, period. Shippers yeah. not doing proper due diligence, period. They're yeah. taking profits and convenience, putting it first, and then when they get Hose, then they want to hollow file. You, you, you got to do the due diligence. And if you yeah. don't, you get what you get. That's what I say. Don't mean to be harsh, but you got to tell the truth sometime. No, I think you do. And they share in the negligence too, right? They're the ones right. that chose to partake in the deal and do this. And then, like you said, bitch and moan about when they don't get right. paid. And it's like, exactly. I, I think um, a lot of it came about, you're right, with utilization of whether it be call centers or, or virtual employees or virtual assistants or, or, right. or really dispatching services, right? That, that's kind of where a lot of that, I think, angled in from. And so these folks that are trying to outsource, and I think that in, I think at the core of that as a business owner and these guys that are doing it don't necessarily set out on that adventure to intend to do the double brokering or get double brokered and that kind of stuff. But then it just opens them up because then you get these, uh, predatory companies coming in that do have the intent to legit 
double broker, not pay you, scam you, this and that. So that'll be cool. I'm excited. I'm going to stay tuned for that announcement you got on the tool that'll help these guys um, with their due diligence, man. I think uh, technology is a good thing. AI stuff's a good thing. Public data is a good thing when used correctly as a tool to help you, um, which I'm guessing is what you guys are doing there. So I'll be pumped to hear about that. One last thing I'd like to touch on real quick is you brought up dispatch services. Yeah. Uh, I actually wrote an article with Bill Robinson um, up in uh, uh, Canada uh, okay. on the subject of uh, uh, dispatch services several months ago. Okay. And it really had nothing to do with the double brokering part, which it, it does come into play. You're correct. But my biggest thing about uh, you know dispatch services is that I, I just I, I wouldn't use them because, again, I. There's not everyone, I don't want to paint it with a broad bush, but there's a lot of folks in that space that simply don't have the proper training and you're entrusting them to dispatch your trucks and do a whole lot of other things that can bring about liability. I, I just wouldn't do it. No, I agree. And a lot of folks too. And, and this is the beauty of like the American dream and like these truckers that set out. And we all know that the industry is comprised mostly of non-fleet folks, right? Mom yes. and pop type shops where you might have a wife, you might have a spouse or a brother mm -hmm. or sister or cousin or someone you trust helping you do the dispatching. Well, unfortunately, sometimes they don't have that or things happen or health or whatever the case is. So right. then they're looking for ways to keep running and maybe be a little more efficient or get more time back or whatever. Right. And they, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, let's check out this dispatching service or someone happened to cold call them and it's like, oh, that sounds good. Let's try right. it. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't work out right. Yeah. So I'm not saying, like you said, broad strokes, I'm not saying all dispatching is bad. It's not. But right. um but <laughs> right. Big, but asterisk there. It's like, man, do your due diligence on that too. And yes. make sure you get a finger on the pulse and you know, what's going on in your day to day and um, all that kind of stuff, man. But listen, Drew, this has been great. I love the conversation. I'll put folks, I'll put all his contact info in the show notes and all that kind of stuff where you can follow him, find him, get in touch, go to the website and all that kind of stuff. And no doubt, check him out on LinkedIn. Cause that's where I saw him. And um, came across the information that he's putting out. And so it's, it's constant value. It's constant things that can help you quick digestible content that you can take and take a couple things from to implement real time in your business or think about, um, you know, that's kind of the biggest thing there. So, uh, any, uh, last departing wisdom drew that you'd like to share? Hey man, uh, you summed it up. Thanks for having me. And, um, I look forward to collaborate with you in the future. My man, I appreciate it. All right, guys, as always, you'll find us on uh, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, podcasts, all the different places. We got the Facebook group. Get a load of this. Um, go ahead. You can get in there. There's a lot of different content that goes through there. Some good offerings. Follow us on LinkedIn. You can go to the website. Check it out. Get a hold of us. So as always, appreciate you guys. Thank you.